Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, you know, now that we've been live streaming and trying to lean into some more video, I, I got to say, we kind of look, look alike today. We kind of got the, the same <laughs> outfit in a way going yeah, on Yeah, almost, yeah. I'm... Um, this is an old shirt. Can you tell how frayed the collar is? And uh, but mm-hmm. it's it's laundry day. What can I? What can I say? Yeah, this is one of my more comfortable sweatshirts. I got this green ah. sweatshirt on. I got my trusty Kelly's Westboard in hat ready to go for nice. the editor show. So nice. We are are cooking here. The Chiefs are now one and one, which is better news than last week. Nobody expected the Chiefs to lose last week, and Fortunately, they did, but they were able to rebound in Jacksonville, a 17-9 to win. I liked these two offenses going into the game. It was anything but an offensive showcase. Ended up being the defense shining for the Chiefs once again. We'll get into all that as we go here. We will review, as we usually do, Andy Reid's Monday morning press conference, taking some of the quotes that we thought were most important and discussing them here. We'll take a quick break. We'll get into our world-famous marinated takeaways, and then we'll go over some snap counts and check out the opening odds for the Chiefs and the Bears in our final segment. But, John, as we do every week, if you leave a review on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network on Apple iTunes, we'll read it on the show. And this one is from JB the Juice Man. New season... (laughs) New five-star review. Yo, Pete, can you pass the live stream times and where to watch? I'm still loving the shows, and Arrowhead Pride is still a staple to my weekly schedule. Keep up the great work all. Uh, that is a Steve Serta question. Steve, do you have your mic on or do you have it available? Can you jump in to answer what, what he is asking quickly? Is there an official schedule anywhere that we can point people to? Um. Well, as far as the Arrowhead Pride film room goes i believe they are going live on tuesday evenings but they might be asking about our friday live streams too that we're doing with the arrowhead pride report as every friday uh at 9 a.m sharp uh me and pete will be doing those all throughout the regular season and then chiefs coast to coast is also live every wednesday night at 6 p.m so those are all our live streams uh, pulling the curtain back a little bit, we were supposed to be recording this one thirty, but I was 18 minutes late for a variety of reasons. Uh, so thank, thank you to the patience of both Steve and, and John as we record the Arrowhead Pride uh, editor show. I do want to tell you very quickly that we have a new premium newsletter that we're doing. John's involved. So was Jared Sapp and Rocky Magana and 
friends, really. We're inviting people each week to help us with the preview of the game. So already Jay Binkley has helped us. JP Acosta from SB Nation. We'll have someone else on this week. We encourage you to check it out. You can get a seven-day trial right now, top of arrowheadpride.com. Again, nothing's changing at arrowheadpride.com. This is a, for those of you who want a little bit more content delivered right to your inbox. We'll be sending you newsletters two to three times a week during the regular season. Regularly during the offseason, there is a weekly uh, or I should say a monthly plan, and there's also an annual plan. So if you're interested in that, check it out, arrowheadpride.com. You can click on the link at the top. John, I know you got something to say. What's up? Oh, no, I was just uh, just listening. I have I have nothing this time. I was oh. just listen, listening to what you had to I say. I like I have a good read for you. I'm looking you down at you in that box. <laughs> I thought you were itching to get something off your mind. No, right, usually, usually if I'm trying to get your attention, you don't notice it. So oh. apparently we've got this all backwards. So like, so you got to <laughs> wave at me. Yeah. All right. Beep, beep. <laughs> all right let's get into the andy reed press conference from monday andy reed joins the local media members for a zoom call every monday you can get the full press conference usually about what 10 to 15 minutes john on uh, from the podium right here on the Airhead pride podcast network but let's go over the main items that i thought held a, a little bit more weight here was head coach andy reed first on the offensive problems of this team well, I, I think uh, us not making the mistakes on our side. I mean, you had 12 penalties. You had three turnovers. I mean, uh, you, you can't do that, or two turnovers. But you can't do that and normally come out on the with a win. I mean, so you, you figure that out, and we, we straighten it out. We, we, we should be okay. But the, the I think as you look at it, the players look at it, and I listen to them talk. Things are there. You look at it on tape, things are there, but we're going backwards instead of forward. And if you look at percentages, uh, even with a five-yard penalty, percentages of scoring on a drive with a penalty is slim to none. We've, we've been able to do that probably better than anybody in the league. But it's you're getting these multiples put together here, and that's uh, it's too much. Yeah, right now the Chiefs are, are not doing what I think fans are accustomed to seeing, which is score a lot of points. Right now um, looks like the – the Cowboys are at the top of the league in points score. The Chiefs right now, 18 and a half per game, which is very, very small sample size. But you would have thought that the Chiefs, as they usually do on offense, would come out firing. It's been the opposite. And I, I think the key here from Andy Reid, John, was just them simply saying, look, uh, we like all the other parts of the offense. What is happening with the route running is okay. It seems like Andy Reid's happy with the blocking he just tends to believe if they can clean up these mistakes that they could get cooking on that side of the ball do you agree or disagree no i agree i think he's making a real good point about the turnovers you don't win many nfl games if the turnover ratio is three to one i mean you just Mm. you're just (laughs) you're not going to miss you're not going to have very many wins um when you are down by a couple of turnovers in a game and he's right about the penalties being a drive killer um, but you know, the chiefs actually got through some, I'm looking for something I wrote yesterday. Uh, let's see. Yes. After the, they got the turnover on downs, the chiefs got the ball at the 50 yard line. And this is what I wrote in the recap of the game, uh, on arrowheadpride.com taking the ball at midfield with just over four minutes left in the half. The chiefs lived, lived through a seven yard sack of Mahomes a five-yard penalty on right tackle Jawan Taylor, a third and 22, and a fourth and 22 in wow. a 50-yard drive. 
and then ended with a nine-yard touchdown pass to Sky Moore, which was the first time they took the lead in the game uh, with uh, 27 seconds left in the half. You know, those are a lot of things that you to get through in order to score on a 50-yard drive. And we saw that kind of stuff happening routinely. Well, not routinely. Right. There, there, weren't, there weren't that, that many drives that came close. But even when they finally got a score, they had to overcome a lot of stuff in the game. So Reed is exactly right about this. You just can't let that stuff pile up because it gets in the way. Yeah, the Chiefs ended up losing two fumbles in this game. They threw an interception. The Jaguars only lost the one fumble. So you were minus two in the turnover battle. You managed to win. And I still think the Jaguars are going to be a playoff team. I thought it was a good outing for the defense because I really think the offense is pretty good. When you look at Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram and Calvin Ridley, certainly I really respect Trevor Lawrence. So uh, that was important. But the the offense is still looking uh, a little janky there, and they're having to overcome some adversity here to put it together enough to win. I think the the, the big takeaway, and this is marinated, so I'm not going to use it in the next segment, is that, <laughs> man – when you make mistakes and you know you have problems that you're you're seeing on the offensive side of the the football feels a lot better having to correct those mistakes following a win than one that might have cost you the game and i think that's the difference between these two weeks and that was one of the points i think i made last week john it's just like man if they just would have pulled out the game you would have felt way better and this is what that feels like the offense didn't look great it didn't look ready to go on this large super bowl run but at the same time it, it just looked like one that you know if you fix these problems and the defense can keeps playing uh how it's playing you're gonna feel pretty good about where this season can go and having success in the playoffs and getting back to the Super Bowl so I certainly feel that about the Chiefs right now I agree with Andy Reid so we will see how they make their adjustments next game against the Chicago Bears coming up on Sunday let's go back to Andy Reid here and uh, he was asked about right tackle Juwan Taylor who had to be briefly benched in this game you're actually going to hear uh, my voice first uh, this was my first question to Andy Reid and then Adam Teicher of ESPN follows it up a little bit later here are those two questions and the answers from Andy Reid we talked a little bit about it yesterday but after watching the film how you felt uh, Juwan responded to to take and take out for a, a brief you know number of plays and then going back in and what's giving you the sense that he can get you know right back on on the horse and, and be okay here he's a good football player he, he he's uh he's naturally quick um without having to cheat on that thing or get caught on it. And um, so, and he's strong, so he, he doesn't need to uh, do that. And he's a smart kid. I mean, there's, we can fix it. He's been doing this for a number of years. So, and he works extremely hard at, it, but it's, you know, once you've had three of them in a row or so, and they don't get called and you have the same crew coming in, they're going to, there are new crew coming in. They're going to have an eye on you. And so you've got to back up. He's got to back up and start over on this and just slow it down. He's plenty quick to take care of that. And one more uh, Juwan Taylor question. Um, he's been in the league in a few years, but not, he never had, to my knowledge, a game like he had yesterday. How can you explain that? Well, you're going to have a lot of eyes on you when, when you come here, first of all. And um, the week before, on the Thursday game, it was publicized and scrutinized. And so now all of a sudden you put the officials on red alert and uh, rightly so. It wasn't like they were off on the calls that they, they had on this week. So, and the, it was the same crew that worked training camp. They, they know, uh, you know, they, 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 they could see it there and they saw it uh, firsthand here. So it's, um, they, they, they were going to call it. Jawan was aware of that. 
he, he knows and he's got a, he, he tried to tame it down a little bit, but as the game went on, it, it got him there. So John, I got a, a grander point for the next segment as far as the marination goes when it comes to Taylor. So I'll turn this to you. What's your reaction to maybe some of the, the answers from Andy Reid on Taylor there? I think there are some questions here uh, that we don't really have answers uh, for. And one of them is how much of what happened uh, yesterday was because the officials on their own were watching Taylor more closely as a result of what happened on Thursday night football, national audience, uh, Chris Collinsworth going crazy over where he was lining up and the, the quick starts, et cetera. And then, you know, the league having a meeting about it and sending a memo to the officials. Did that happen? Or was it the case that Jacksonville went into their meeting with the officials before the game yesterday and said, look, we know what Jawan Taylor does because he used to do it for us. And you're going to have to watch him very carefully. So was it either of those things or some combination of them? Or was it just random chance? I think those are that's what we... We don't really know here. And Andy made it sound like almost as if it was all of those things. And even mentioned that the same officiating crew had been at training camp. So they would have seen him then. I hadn't even thought about that possibility before Andy spoke today. So it's, yeah, we don't really know exactly how this all came together, but I certainly believe that it'll calm down after a while. I don't think this is going to be a problem for the whole season. I think that, you know, the officials are going to, it's going to adjust going both directions. I think the officials will get off it a little bit now that we've put more time between now and the, the Thursday night game that opened the season, you know, whenever that happens. Mm -hmm. And I think that he will get better at not getting called on it. So I think it's going to go away, but it was, it was bad. It was, it was bad. Yeah. I I think what I would say was probably all the above and all the things that you're mentioning. I, I don't think it was, a coincidence like that's the only one i would probably rule yeah. out at like where nothing had to do with any no i think a lot had to do with the attention yeah. on taylor i also want to note here and you know i saw that there was a big deal about taylor being benched and i think you know anytime you're benching someone of that caliber someone that that's that is that important uh even briefly it's going to catch the attention but what i would tell you is that i think receivers and tight ends and running backs even can be benched all the time, but you just don't know it because there is always the rotation. And so right. when mm-hmm. an offensive lineman is benched for a few plays, it's rather noticeable. And I just wonder, and I'm just putting that wonder out there of like how many receivers, if they run, run the wrong route, get benched, but we just, we don't really know it because the chiefs have seven receivers and they're rotating them in and out. And I think that yeah. that type <laughs> of stuff can happen uh, and seem to calm Taylor down. No, we don't have the the data necessarily on this, but it it seemed like what did he have one penalty the rest of the game, and so I I thought that was a positive. And yeah, th- this is going to be different. I think when you go back to Arrowhead and you're not playing your former team, and they're not in the head of the official after the national broadcast and and things like that. I, I have another point on Taylor in marinated takeaway, so I don't want to talk too much about it. Let's go to Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Travis Kelsey took two penalties in his return, one unsportsmanlike conduct one unnecessary roughness uh and he was and andy reed was asked about this and and travis kelsey's temperament uh in the 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 press conference today here were the words of andy reed 
Yeah, Travis was fighting Travis. I mean, it was uh, it was it was hot. He was getting butched. We call it where they they try to bang you up there one way or another, and you know he's trying to get back in the flow, and and so he is a perfectionist. This guy, and and um, you know if he feels he's off a tick, then he's going to try to battle through him and get himself in the right mindset to keep fighting through it. So, and he did. You got to give him credit. He, he he battled through the thing. He made some big catches for us. He and, and he made it through the game after missing the first one. So I'm sure his leg probably didn't feel 100%, but he's not going to let you know that. And he's going to work through it. And that's what he did. So those were Andy Reid's work words on Travis Kelsey. I, I think the big message here is that Kelsey – uh, comes out of the game and doesn't have any further injury. Looked okay. Did enough. You could tell he wasn't 100%, but I, I thought the touchdown was big. Uh, John, I want to pivot here for a second and and go to this breaking news that we're getting as we're recording the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. This from Adam Schefter. The Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes have restructured his agreement, giving him $210 point uh, six million dollars between 23 and 26 the most money in nfl history over a four season span his compensation for those years now is guaranteed also the chiefs and mahomes plan to revisit the agreement in 2026 as told to espn by equity sports ceo chris cabot who negotiated the deal on behalf of mahomes so in the end hmm. Mahomes gets his restructure. There's nobody I'd want to be on a call with more than you, John. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think about this? 210.6 million over four years. That's what so it sounds th- like here. Yeah. So that the Chiefs that, are affording it on this salary cap. Yeah. They figured yeah. that away. Well, uh, you know, they it's all guaranteed. So they might have given him some signing bonus, uh, which they would have yeah. to do in order to get any kind of camp relief. But they already had like, four million uh as nearly as we can tell uh <laughs> you know th- th- these cap numbers are always we don't really know we can only guess based on what information we can get from uh in- individual contracts and the chiefs are one of the teams that don't give very much information about contracts so um it's always with a big grain of salt that we look at these numbers but um i guess mike florio knew what he was talking about he was just two weeks late i mean he was <laughs> saying all off season that the chiefs were going to do something with Mahomes contract before the season began. And sure enough, they did, but just a couple of weeks in, what do you know? I will, I will always tell you when I was wrong, you guys have laughed at me about my Justin Ross takes and he made the roster and I was completely wrong about that. I, I had some clown takes when it came to Jay Ross, but I had said that Patrick Mahomes will get his restructure. It'll probably happen quietly and amicably, and we're making too big of a deal out of this. And there you go. Now he's looks to be the highest paid player over the next four years, which you tended to you think would happen here. As you can see, and I think this is a big message kind of in the scope of Chris Jones, you can see how things can happen when the representatives actually have a really good working relationship with right. the team. And maybe yeah. you can get the compensation that you're seeking, but uh, this, of course, is completely different. And the Chiefs learned a lot, I think, from the two, what, two decade long situations over, or I should say four decade long situations over how Green Bay has dealt with their quarterbacks uh, mm-hmm. throughout their career and ended it. And they know they have to keep number one happy. And they, I think, realize, 
okay, we have a generational talent, someone that could potentially be the greatest athlete in the sports history. We're going to do everything in, in our power to keep him in the loop on roster moves to during draft weekend, get his, get his feelings on it. When he is suddenly the you know seventh or eighth quarterback when it comes to annual salary per year, let's make sure that we take care of him. And it doesn't have to be this big thing where there are right. things getting leaked out to the media. It can happen behind closed doors. You see that happen today. I think the grand takeaway is the Chiefs are keeping their most important part of their franchise happy, right? It's, it's, it's Andy Reid, uh, probably second to Patrick Mahomes, but it's Patrick Mahomes and then Andy Reid, and you're keeping number one uh, happy here. And I, I think that's a, a positive thing for the future of the franchise. And I think it's well done by the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I mean, I, I didn't expect it for another couple of years. I'll be honest. I I disagree with you when you were predicting it over the course of the summer. So uh, hats off to Pete there. And I and I, I'm sorry. Sean, if I made you, it get, sound like- you, you get you get things right. And I get them all wrong all the time. But this is this is the fun of the uh, <laughs> the editor show. here, So that's fine. Right. Right. Well, we do. We do trade off a little bit here and there. But um I thought it would take another couple of years, and I thought that Mahomes didn't care that much, and maybe he doesn't care that much. It's just a question of uh, solving some other problem, for example, camp space, because, you know, the usual routine by which the Chiefs get cap space out of Mahomes' contract has to be taken care of in March when they pay that uh, roster bonus, um, and they have to decide how much of that roster bonus is going to be converted so that they can uh, move sp- move money around and gain some cap space out of Mahomes' contract. Well, they got to do that in March, and they did it this year and picked a number, and it turned out apparently not to be quite enough because they thought they'd be able to make a deal with Chris Jones and open some cap space there. And so now it may just be as simple as, all right, we need to open up some more cap space, and the only way we can do this is actually have a restructure of Mahomes' contract. And, uh, you know, while we're at it, we'll go ahead and make him the highest paid and stop getting uh, Mike and Mike Florio won't be writing articles about it anymore. <laughs> so, right. uh, you know, I'm not sure that it's driven by Mahomes desire to be the highest paid. But anytime you do something with Mahomes, you better make sure he's the highest paid when you come out of it. Yeah. And the Chiefs have very clearly done that today. I don't think there's a, a ton more to say about it. I'm sure that we'll be digging into some of the cap numbers. Uh, and this also, you know, not only lending credit to the argument of, of Mike Florio, who I'm sure he's a victory lap man. So I'm sure he'll go and take his victory <laughs> laps today. Yes, he but is. I, but I think this, I think this also speaks to just the idea of like that group that often says the cap isn't real, <laughs> you know, like, because you're like probably looking at the cap today and you're like, how did Chiefs even handling this? And they got some really good cap specialists there. I think some I think that it's pro- more proper to say, like, you know, it's sometimes is real. You're not going to be able to afford every single player that you want because that's how the NFL is designed. But if there are certain things that you want to do, if you have enough planning uh, ahead, then I, I just I just feel like you can figure that out. And Kansas City has surrounded themselves with some really smart cap folks you know Brett yeah. Beach is smart in his own right but with the uh, Chris Shea and Brant Tillis I mean it's just a different regime in that sense like that's to me is the biggest difference between one regime to another was just the contracts and just the thoughtfulness that this particular regime puts to it that maybe wasn't happening uh, in the last regime and you're seeing the sustained success because of that and you, without that factor 
and, and making sure that you're not giving away bad contracts and things like that, you're allowing yourself to, I think, have success and flexibility each and every year. And so for me, I am happy that they did this. And, and again, they're keeping number one happy without him really, in a sense, having to publicly ask about it, which mm-hmm. as you learn yeah. in Green Bay, you know, is never the way to go. Cause it just doesn't I mean it doesn't create a good feel in your organization, even when that quarterback is still there. Green Bay and Baltimore, you know, the the Ravens had that difficulty with Lamar Jackson, uh, clearly unhappy about how long it took for him to get a deal. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I you 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 want to get this done in a way where he doesn't have to go out there and make a big deal out of it publicly. Uh, so yeah, a, a great move for the Chiefs and a great move for Patrick Mahomes. He's got a new house. He'll be able to pay for it. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure that that was a, a major concern. <laughs> all the endorsement deals that he had. Uh, we'll punt our last question or our last thing on Andy Reid. If you want to listen to more from Andy Reid, you can can go back to our From the Podium podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. When we come back, we'll get back to the game conversation. It's our world famous marinated takeaways right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Bride Editor's Show, we had our discussion on Andy Reid's press conference. We had some breaking news, which is rare for the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, as we record on 1.30 on Mondays. But look. Uh, you never know right here uh, at arrowheadpride.com. Let's knock out these marinated takeaways so we can make sure we get our articles up on this Patrick Mahomes thing, John. Uh, maybe a little bit of a, a speed round of marinated takeaways. We'll, 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 let, we'll let you start. Uh, what did you take away from yesterday's game? Well, there was another part of the game um, that actually ended with the, uh, the thing I, I mentioned earlier um, where the Chiefs got the ball after uh, making Jacksonville give it up on downs that I thought was one of the most bizarre uh, sequences of plays I have ever seen in an NFL game. It's hard to, to look this up. And if it was easier, maybe a little easier, I might've spent some time this morning looking at it, but I sure can't remember too many uh, circumstances where there were four fumbles, including three turnovers in five plays over a minute and 16 seconds. And that's what happened uh, with about 11 minutes left in the, in the uh, 
second quarter of the game. I mean, that was just a crazy sequence. Mm-hmm. And I and I'll get to this on my other point, uh, but I I think that maybe both teams didn't come into this game and play as well as they wanted to. I think a lot depends on you know which team is you, which team you're a fan of over what really happened in yesterday's game. But we'll we'll get to that we'll get to that more in a minute. Yeah, and there there is such passion that comes from a turnover, and it was yeah. crazy because in in the game and as you're watching it as turnovers are happening your team recovers you suddenly think oh we got this under control and then when your team you know ends up giving the football away you start to have that panicky feeling i think especially in the side of the chiefs who didn't come away with the win last week jacksonville was able to win their first game so i think you were staring the barrel of Owen two down the barrel of Owen two and i i agree with you and there's a lot of emotion i think that goes into a sequence like that and it goes to you know, the, the football is not round. Right. So that goes to just the idea of like there are there is a certain aspect of anything can happen. And I think that was a, a wild sequence. Certainly. I, I think mine. I wrote that down. I think I wrote that down wrong, actually, that it, it wasn't four fumbles. It was three fumbles and an interception. So you, those of you who are yeah, getting ready to get after me on Twitter, you know, I, I did realize <laughs> I did it wrong. So but people, it was still a crazy people, sequence. <laughs> people think that Chiefs Twitter is 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 wild and there's you know i think the craziest twitter and the most active twitter is correction twitter you make one oh, yeah. spelling you make one spelling yeah. mistake you make <laughs> one fact mistake you are going to get tweets and it is not going to take long for these teams to do it. uh my merited takeaways i'm going to knock out two right here so I, I i teased it in the last segment it has to do with Joan taylor and and my my marinated takeaway when it comes to just Jawan Taylor in general is that like none of our takes matter about this. They gave him four years, sixty million dollars. It has to work. Like it's not like he you know, mm-hmm. he maybe was benched for a few plays. This idea that all of a sudden like they're gonna have to pivot from Jawan Taylor and I, you know I and Price was writing an article. I, I believe we're gonna post it later this afternoon on on Jawan Taylor maybe tomorrow. Just pretty good blocker. It's just getting a little heady when it comes to this whole situation with Thursday night football and of course getting called for false starts. And it seemed like his emotions were running high. It wasn't just false starts yesterday. There was a number of holding calls. It was two and three plays that ended up getting him benched. And I just, I wondered why we could, we even discuss just in, in the scope of he is definitely a starting offensive lineman for the next two or three years, even if he were to struggle mightily just because of, the commitment mm-hmm. and the monetary commitment matters. And and I, I just think about that. And then now I, this is the other side of it. That being said, and I guess even this Mahomes restructure sort of makes you think about it, right? Like after watching the game that Chris Jones had, I understand and I I do feel that in, in the negotiation, he might have made a mistake by demanding a certain number. However, if you're going to demand a certain number and come back and get these incentives and really not agree to what was a pretty nice offer from the chiefs for 24 and 25 for 27.5 mil. And you're going to say, no, I deserve the 30. Then you better look like the way he did. And Mm -hmm. I just wonder if there may have been in these two, my two combined marinated takeaways. I know the chiefs really listen to these and and weigh them heavily, but (laughs) Was there some buyer's remorse in committing as much as they did to Taylor uh, and not being able to get to a ridiculous Jones number? Because I understand Jones is 29. I understand the Chiefs have never wanted to pay 
over or, or I should say overpay a player at that age. But man, he looked like he could not only be a a force all year for the Chiefs in, in this year, but man, I it didn't seem like he's gonna be slowed down the next year or two just to pace but based upon and, and look, the season's long. Uh, but I just I wonder as these two situations are happening, someone they did pay a lot of money to, someone they ended up choosing not to commit to, and I think maybe in a sense as a result of what they committed to the other player, just bringing up the the swing of things. And I wonder if, if there was some slight regret as to wh- the way things have certainly um, panned out early on in this season here. Well, there certainly wasn't any hint of regret in what Andy Reid said about Jawan Taylor. No. He sounded right. like, yeah, this is just, you know, this is just a guy in a weird situation and he made the best of it, but he's a good player. He's a smart player. Well, that's just exactly, that's the pantheon of Andy, Andy Reid uh, compliments there. He's a smart player and a good football player. Uh, I, I didn't get any sense that the Chiefs feel that way. And I think it's, you know, this is what people do. They see a, a game where something bad happens to a player and they immediately want to project that over the entire career of the player. And that's especially easy to do when the player is going to make $80, $80 million over that four-year career with the team. But, you know, this is his second game with the team, and he was playing against a team that knows him well and would know how to take advantage of him more than any other team in the NFL. So I think you have to remember that when you get yourself worked up about what happened with Jawan Taylor on Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, the Jaguars are no slouch. Doug Peterson is no slouch as a coach, and I think they knew exactly what to do to get the most they could out of Jawan Taylor's presence on the other side of the line. I think he's going to end up being fine, and we won't care about this so much over time. I think it's it's worth saying, too, like when the Chiefs go and get somebody in free agency and pay that much, it's usually Mm -hmm. someone they believe in like a lot. You saw that with Tyron Matthews, you saw it with Justin Reed, you saw it with Jawan Taylor. So even in this situation, it's kind of a weird situation to start the year. I'm I'm it's not when I bring it this up, it's not like I'm I myself think, hey, the Chiefs made a mistake. But I wonder if some of those thoughts are just out there when you see that they mm-hmm. weren't able to pay Chris Jones and yeah. he had the game he did and they did pay Jawan Taylor and he had the game that he did. All right. Joe, Certainly uh, they're, they're out there outside of the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. All right, John, what's your next uh, marinated takeaway? Well, I'd like to know what's going on with Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson. Uh, you know, after the first game, we thought, oh, Joshua Williams has landed the job, which is what Dave Merritt said they wanted was for one of these guys to step up and take that that uh, slot cornerback job. And lo and behold, uh, in the first game, Josh Williams got all the snaps as the slot cornerback in that game. And then yesterday, Josh Williams got a chunk of them and Jalen Watson got a chunk of them. So are we back to. You know, what's the situation going to be? Is is Joshua Williams going to be the main guy in the slot? And sometimes when they're playing a particular team, when the matchup works, Jalen Watson is going to get some of those snaps. That might have been the case yesterday. He had a great game against the Jaguars last year. So maybe that's what it was. Uh, so, it, you know, all of this uncertainty continues with these two guys. And um, so, of course, I, I, uncertainty is never a bad thing if you're a defensive coordinator and you, the, the offense doesn't know what you're going to do. So maybe that's maybe this is the, the way the Chiefs really want it. It's just not what they said. 
Yeah, Steve Spagnuolo and defensive backs coach Dave Merritt have said that they would like one of these guys to step forward and get the bulk of the snaps. And and two years later, they're still trying to figure it out as to who they like more. And until they do, they're going to continue with this rotation. I think you saw more of that yesterday. I also thought Jalen Watson had a had a quietly had a nice game mm-hmm. um, with with that open field tackle early on. And when you end up only winning by a score, those things end up sure. mattering and also too was the the gunner uh, position that he plays when they punted the ball down to what looked like the two yard line i think it was uh, so watson uh, again didn't play a lot last game but i i think made his presence known in this game and so we will see what the chiefs do uh, next game as, as it continues <laughs> this two-year-long rotation uh, continues to persist uh my uh, final marinated takeaway here is more about the upcoming schedule i just think it's funny how we try to predict the season and look i love doing it it's fun the night they release the schedule we get on here we're about four or five contributors john and we say well what is their record going to look like but as you start to look at this thing and you start to evaluate what the upcoming schedule looks, looks like it's like when is the next time the chiefs are going to play someone over 500 because they got the bears next week they are not the Jets did not look as good in their second game when some of that adrenaline runs out uh, after losing your quarterback and you have to face the rest of the season with an already failed quarterback. I feel like it may, might end up losing some games. They could be under 500. The Minnesota Vikings are under 500. The Denver Broncos are under 500. Those are two teams that you see over the next couple of weeks. The LA Chargers also under 500. The next time the Chiefs, to me, will face a definite team above 500 is week nine. And when you're facing teams like that, you probably should win all the games. So we'll see if the Chiefs do. But one, two, three, four, five, six games. Their next six games are opponents that should be under 500 by my estimation before they would then face the Miami Dolphins, presumably at seven and one. Of course, that includes three division games, and usually you throw out the record in three division games, and I'm probably jinxing something there. Um, but I just think it, it's funny how sometimes we think that the schedule is going to be a certain way, and then suddenly here you are two weeks in, 10 days into the NFL season, and everything has already changed. Well, uh, I think the important phrase in what you just said was, by my estimation, um, because two games in, you can't really tell anything. And you're right. We we do this every year. We think we know how it's going to play out based on what happened in the previous season. And it never works out that way. There's always teams that did well the previous year that that suddenly don't do well and vice versa. And two games in, we can't really tell which teams they are. We might have an idea. You know, a team that's 0-2 right now probably is going to be a sub-500 team by the time they play the Chiefs. But we we really don't have a clear idea of which teams are good and which are bad until we're at least four games into the season. So I'm a little I'm a little I'm going to be a little more cautious about deciding uh, which games are going to be tough for the Chiefs uh, until we get to at least four weeks into the season. But. But you're not wrong. You're not, you know, you're not wrong. You're, 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 you're going the right way with what we've seen so far. I can say with confidence uh, and maybe I'll regret this when we do our next editor show, John, but the bears (laughs) seem to be in shambles. Like, yeah, they do. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think if there's ever a get right opportunity for the Chiefs offense, it's it's this upcoming week against the Bears. But anyway, and that's um, always dangerous to make statements like that, as you know. So <laughs> I know. I wonder what well, I wonder what they'll their I guess you have the the spread on our site, so we'll get to that next. But uh what is your final marinated takeaway? Uh yeah, just to, I want to extend a little bit what I said on my first one. Uh, that so much depends on your perspective. Uh, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, Kenobi said, you're going to learn, young Luke, that uh, a great deal matters uh, about your point of view. I didn't quote it correctly, but that's the, the idea here. You know, I'm sure that there are Jacksonville fans today who are saying, our offense just looked terrible. But here in Kansas City, we're talking about how good our defense was. And vice versa. You know, we're saying the offense looked awful, but in Jacksonville, they're saying, oh, man, the defense was terrific yesterday against that great Chiefs offense. So much depends on your point of view about this stuff. But I'll give you uh, an example of what I'm talking about here. We're going to look at statistics. Let me find the the right the right thing. Oh, I changed this somehow. Uh, so I have to do it from memory. The Chiefs and the Jaguars were both about 30% on third down, but the Chiefs were perfect on fourth down, while the Jaguars were 0-2 on fourth down. And that turned out to be a big point in this game, uh, that the Chiefs were able to convert a couple of fourth downs in this game, one of them on the drive we talked about before that, that gave them their first touchdown in the game. And then the other thing was that the Chiefs were 2-4 and four in the red zone, which is not great, but it's passable. And the Jaguars were 0-3 in the red zone. Now, as Chiefs fans, we're going to look at this and say, well, it's because the Chiefs' defense was great. Well, yeah, the Chiefs' defense made some plays in important moments that kept the Jaguars from scoring in, in a number of circumstances. But it's also true that there were at least three occasions in yesterday's game where Jaguars receivers had their hands on footballs but didn't get their feet in bounds in the end zone. And if any one of those plays had turned out differently, we might looking be looking at an entirely different game. And uh, and that isn't about the defense. That's about the wide receivers and the quarterbacks and and you know paying attention to what they're doing. So so much of this depends on perspective. And I, I'm a little hesitant to say the offense is in real bad shape. As I noted before, uh, there was that 150-yard drive where they went, got through a whole lot of problems and still managed to put points on the board. And you've got to have a good offense to do that. And I think also that the Jacksonville defense was there to, to play also. And I think they had something to do with uh, what happened with the Chiefs offense on Sunday. Yeah, I, I think Andy Reid agrees with you from – what he was saying this morning on that media call, it's just that they're a lot closer than maybe it meets the eye at yeah. this point. And good to be one and one with that happening. And like I said, I, I think they'll look to try to continue to improve that as they go into this bears matchup coming up this weekend. I'd mentioned that we got to get off here to try to get some of this Mahomes stuff up, John. We'll, let's just finish up with the opening spread against the bears and, and see what that is. And, and uh, maybe have some commentary about that, and then we'll wrap things up. Well, uh, you said that the Bears are in a shambles, and that would certainly be indicated by the point spread, which is 13 points uh, as the spreads open on yeah. Sunday night. 13 points, that's a lot uh, for a, a betting spread in today's NFL. And uh, so that suggests that, 
that uh, the bears are in serious trouble, or at least the public believes that the bears are in serious trouble. And those two things are often the same. So yeah, they're a mess. Yeah. They, they, they have a good young quarterback in, in fields. And I was talking with Steve this morning before we started, they got to be thinking, is this the year that maybe we, we have a down year and think about bringing Caleb Williams in. It seems to be the fascination of all teams that are mediocre right now in the NFL. I know the Arizona <laughs> Cardinals are one of those teams uh, that I, I think the fan base is eyeing Caleb Williams, but we shall see. It is the chiefs and the bears that's coming at you at three twenty-five PM Arrowhead time. We'll get you ready this week uh, at arrowheadpride.com. And of course here on the Arrowhead pride podcast network, we have a full lists of shows for you to check out i mentioned it at the beginning of the show if you like uh, arrowheadpride.com if you like the arrowhead pride podcast network please leave us a rating and a review on apple itunes i'll be happy to read it right here on the arrowhead pride podcast network and the editor's show so for steve and for john my name is pete sweeney thank you for joining us on another edition of that arrowhead pride editor's show